Welcome to Pilot Boys, episode 121. Today, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl and a few other fun topics and news and notes. And then after the break, we're going to dig into how life's a mirror and how the answer is to remain stoic and unemotional. Stay tuned, buckle your seatbelts, put your tray tables up. The Pilot Boys are about to take off. Let's go. Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. So let's start with some news and notes, Partha, before we get into the, the open format stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, the, the big storyline, obviously, over the weekend was the Super Bowl. Uh, many storylines within the storyline. Uh, the thing that I appreciated the most about the game is that it was competitive. Um, we had a competitive game from start to finish. It came down to literally the last minute before we saw a winner. Um, and regardless of whether you're rooting for the Bengals or the Rams, there were people within the Rams organization that you were happy for. Most people probably don't give a damn that Stan Kroenke won, <laughs> won the championship, even though um, he he did build this massive stadium. Uh, specifically people in St. Louis probably don't give a damn for him. Uh, but I think anybody who appreciates um, hard work and perseverance and and dedication can appreciate both Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup um, receiving this Super Bowl kind of as, as, as players who you know give their all, work their hardest, um, regardless of... of this being the Rams, you you have to root for those two players and, and be happy for them, considering what we know um, about both of their stories and what they had to do to get here. Absolutely. I think that, you know, it was it was an amazing game. It kind of ended how we all thought it would, but it was so close. It was such a good game. Near the end, I, I did feel like the refs got in the way, as they usually yep. tend to, to determine who's going to win. But uh it was it was a fun one. I think if you're a Bengals fan, if you're anyone involved with the Bengals, you should be screaming at that at the uh, GM to get Joe Burrow some protection. Man, that was so brutal what he went through in that game. And when you flip it, Matt Stafford had some of the least QB pressure of any quarterback ever in a Super Bowl game. So totally different kind of experiences. And still, the Bengals almost pulled this thing off. Just shows you the upside and potential that they truly have as an organization. Yeah. And, and, and it, to support your point, what we don't want to have happen to Joe Burrow is for him to end up like Andrew Luck having to retire early because of how much, um, <laughs> how much impact he's taken as a result of poor offensive line play. Um, I think those are, you know, those are great storylines. As you said, the refs probably did get in the way specifically at the end of the game making too much of an impact. But with that said, I think there are many questions that can be asked about the Bengals play calling there on those yeah. last two plays of the game. Why are you running in the gun versus just running two quarterback sneaks, getting the first, getting the best field goal kicker in the league this year in range to kick a field goal. That didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but again, this is the coach's first time in a game this big. Sean McVay made so many similar mistakes in his first go around. Yeah. So hopefully the Bengals address their issues 
um, and we get there, um, get to where we needed to go. However, even more entertaining than the game itself was the Super Bowl halftime show. I think anybody who's aware of Dr. Dre and his impact on music and culture knew when they selected him to curate the Super Bowl halftime show that we were going to see something special because he doesn't do anything musically um, less than A+. Plus. Yeah. Um, and yeah. <laughs> we got literally an A-plus performance. I mean, I'm biased a little bit because I am a hip-hop-leaning guy, but I thought it was one of the best performances we've ever seen in terms of energy, in terms of entertainment value, in terms of how it was put together, curated. All the performers were were great. Um, and we just we just got taken through a masterpiece. I feel yeah. Like. Absolutely. I mean, the whole halftime show, goosebumps, you know, my eyes were tearing up at different points. Like it was so nostalgic. And at the same time, it was it was just so authentic to all of those performers. And to see I didn't even know 50 was going to do that surprise, surprise cameo there. Um, But I saw a video of him actually climbing up into the upside down situation. He literally pulled himself up onto the rig himself. He's a strong dude. So, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, it was insane. Every single artist out there just absolutely crushed it. The The camera work when Kendrick came out was unbelievable. Yeah, it was crazy. He is just, he just always brings something like that to the table. Some weird, different stuff that, you know, blows your mind. But it, it was funny as like, I, I didn't hear any criticism in my circles about this, but apparently the internet had a criticism from what kind of the, the reaction I was reading about and um, I think it was it was you know this is well summed up by um, this meme that I saw which was saying that you know once the show started I was so happy that they weren't doing some old ass artists that I didn't know about and then I realized I had finally gotten old enough that the old ass artists that they were picking were my favorite artists so you know I could totally understand as a kid I never felt like the Super Bowl had their finger on the culture but Turns out they just really know their audience. Yeah, they do. And in addition to that, I think a lot in a lot of the younger generation that I've spoken to, um, they were very impressed as well with the quality of the product that they heard because good music is timeless, you know, and good energy is timeless. And I think the energy, the energy combined with the talent um, brought something that I think everyone could could enjoy, whether or not you're a hip-hop fan or not you know you could you could appreciate um the entertainment value of of what you saw yeah 100 percent. you know um in other news uh, after the super bowl ended the next day we got some nba news we got the the trade between was that maybe that was the that was, that, that was before that was yeah that was days before that's mind-blowing that it was before it feels like it was just yesterday but we got the james harden ben simmons trade that went down that was awesome. Um, you know, in my view, a big win-win for both sides. Um, we've seen the usual kind of circus of media around all of this. And, um, you know, similarly to whether it's the halftime show, if it does feel like, you know, I don't really use Twitter these days because people tend to get a little wild on there with their opinions. But uh, it does feel like all of these moments tend to have these very polarizing reactions these days. However, I think, you know, both the way the Super Bowl went went down, including the show and the and the performances, 
as well as you know the the trade news with these guys just super good things for everybody involved yeah overall i mean what do you do when you trade two kind of quirky personalities um who are disgruntled what should you do you trade them for each other right and see what happens um (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it just was a match made in heaven right the 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 issues that the sixers were having with ben simmons um were pretty apparent you know and when your best player uh, no longer wants to play with him and is completely disgruntled as we saw with Joel Embiid's very, very savage <laughs> post-trade <laughs> meme um, that left no doubt about how he felt about Ben Simmons. Um, I thought that was pretty refreshing, though, in the sense that he didn't just take the politically correct response, which we saw contrasted by what happened with poor Kevin Durant being surrounded by... <laughs> by Did you see the, the draft show, the NBA All-Star draft? NBA All-Star draft show. <laughs> Literally, I was like, damn, people really must have no respect for James Harden to be taking these type of shots. But They took a lot of shots. Charles Barkley was hilarious. Yeah. LeBron just dying laughing, covering his face with the clipboard the way they're going after Kevin. And I have to be honest, I was very impressed with Kevin Durant's stoicism. He finally cracked a smile at the end. Yeah. <laughs> he held it down, man. He held it down. Yeah. He, Kevin Durant, you know, he, he used to get a lot of flack, but he has really, really matured and grown in terms of how he handles media and criticism and other people's opinions. And, you know, I, I was really impressed recently in the interviews with um, with uh, Kyrie as well and with Harden in today's interviews. Every single one was very complimentary about everyone involved. They were very positive. They were kind to each other. They mentioned, you know, um, that they supported each other. And I think that that's just not something we hear a lot these days. Yeah, people always want the beef. You know, this, yeah. I don't think that the situation in Brooklyn was the same um, as it was in uh, in Philadelphia. I don't think it was as acrimonious. Yeah. Although, you know, and, and to a degree, Harden's getting a lot of flack, but he didn't go into what he signed up for. It's not his, you know. Well, he, he, had, he was going to have Kyrie, and yeah. then the mandates happened, and he didn't. And I think that's a fair reason to not want to play there. Yeah, and also he had to, to be upset at Kyrie for not. He, he, actually, right. you know, he said a great comment about Kyrie today. Um, they asked him, and he was like, you know, Kyrie's my friend. I respect him, you know, doing whatever he needs to do personally. And, you know, there's no bad blood there. And I think, like, that's a very mature and responsible way to handle it. Like even yep. listening to KD when, you know, people are needling him about Kyrie is like, look, like these are individual people making their own decisions. And I even heard Kyrie in an interview, they were like, do you feel responsible for Harden leaving? He's like, do I feel responsible? He's like, don't put that, you know, don't put that in my, in my mouth here. He's like, I am a person who's living life, having my own experiences and challenges. And Things are happening, and I'm within a ton of circumstance based on the decisions I'm making. It's like I can't extend my decision-making to where somebody wants to play basketball or not. Yeah. I think that was a very fair and down-to-earth response. Yep. In other NBA news, and this is for true NBA fans, uh, another pairing was broken up, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard specifically for Ohio-based audience. Uh, 
CJ is from the 330 area. Um, great story. Him and Damian Lillard kind of rolled this thing till the wheels fell off. They tried their best. They made a Western Conference Finals. But alas, uh, the, the team was broken up. And now Lillard is left with, I don't even know who's on the team anymore over there. But, uh, you know, that's a tough one, right? Because it's, it's not Lillard's fault. Golden State existed at their peak during yeah. his prime. Yeah. And it's, you know, and the truth is, if you look at Portland, they were really good at building a team that was good enough, but not good enough at pulling. They always seem to be making lateral trades, yeah, not trades that actually improve the team significantly. It's always it's and, and this seems like another one of those where I feel like they actually are saying we're going to rebuild this thing by trading yeah. McCollum. I think that's a good look. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, though, if I'm Dame, I, I want to get out of there right now. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's one of those things again, like people want to judge him for it. It's he, he basically has taken the position that, you know, this is the team that drafted me. My family loves it here. I feel an attachment to this community. So I'm going to ride with this community through thick and thin. And I think that's something that's admirable. Um, although it may not be best for his basketball uh, career, it's pretty admirable that he looks at his position with the Portland Trailblazers in the way that we would hope more athletes would, right? A personal attachment to the community because oftentimes these basketball teams are supported by city tax dollars, city tax benefits, by the community who comes and supports them weekly. They are the largest shareholder in these guys' careers. It is somewhat refreshing. Uh, to see someone who says, you know what, I'm here whether we win or lose. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, the the flip, which I think is also a challenge, is despite the loyalty, all I see on on like Reddit, for example, is like they're going to trade Dame. They should trade Dame. They should trade Dame. And it's like, wow, like to think that even on the fan level, they believe that the organization should show no no loyalty to the player, giving you know everything. To the well, and I think part of it is also loyalty to the player and, and saying this organization sucks. We need to get Dame in a better position. That too. <laughs> you know, there, there's that. That's too good to go through his career here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating, you know. Um, and, you know, Dame, Dame is, a, is a very unique, unique guy, you know, and I think um, the one thing I think also is that he, despite all this, he still was ranked one of the top 75 players in the NBA in history, right? So um, that's something that I, the question that I have is whether he wins a championship or not. You know, maybe publicly his legacy might be tarnished, but I think to the community that matters, the fraternity of basketball and the peers that he's looking for respect from, I don't think that he specifically is going to lose any respect um, when he's evaluated whether he has a ring or not. Yeah. And I think the the other thing to add into the mix, too, is that Dame just watched Giannis win last year in a situation yep. where nobody thought he could win. Everyone was pushing him to move to Miami. He didn't. And he, he made it happen. And if you look this season, yes, there's a lot of media about the Nets or the Lakers, which, you know, they're trash or the Warriors, right? But 
the Grizzlies and the Suns stand to have the best chance of winning this year. And those are pretty organically built teams with the exception of Chris Paul, who's recruited into the Suns, but really is just playing at an unreal level at his age. And so it just it, it kind of begs the question, you know, could Portland, uh, I don't know if Portland itself is going to be the team to rebuild, but it, it, it does prove that in today's day and age, the power dynamic in the NBA is shifting in a really, really major way. And if we see another non-major market team win a championship this year, that will be a huge change in the culture of which organizations players want to go to. Yeah, I really, really, you know, if, if you're missing out on the NBA, um, the current NBA, because of whatever reasons you're protesting the China thing or whatever you're doing as to why you're tuning out the NBA, I think you're missing a very important shift culturally that's a net positive for the game of basketball. You see these guys like John Morant, Luka Doncic, uh, Giannis, Dame, they really do want to win where they're at. They don't want to go join somebody else to win, which is a drastic shift in the culture that we saw in the generation prior to this generation, which was win a ring by any means necessary. That's why Kevin Durant left a 72, 72 left a, a team that took a 72 win team to seven games and went to that team because there was a culture of we just I have to I have to win a ring to justify my place in history. There's that mindset. And I think this new era that we're seeing now, it's just like, give me my five and we're going to go at it. We're going to win. Devin Booker is included in that group, right? Absolutely. Uh, and, and it's it's Joel Embiid. Just think that you're missing if out. You're not watching John ja Morant, watch yeah. John ja Morant. Yeah. He is, he's the new Dwayne Wade to me. He's doing <laughs> D-Way did in 06 and 09. Yeah. Uh, and now's the time to make the shift, right? Football season is officially over. It's about you to know. be All-Star weekend, yeah. like next week, I think. Yeah. Stop, focus, stop focusing on all the Twitter headlines and focus on the game, and you'll enjoy the product. Yeah, absolutely. Is And to, to that effect, All-Star weekend is actually this coming weekend. So it'll be, you know, starting the day after you listen to this podcast. Tune in, have some fun, check it out. It'll be yeah, it's, it's in Cleveland, Ohio, too, which is great for the city, great I for the market. Some of our listeners will actually be there, too. I think plenty of our listeners. I was thinking about going back for a full circle moment because, you know, my uh, much of my career was springboarded uh, by the basketball culture in Cleveland um, back in 05, 06. But at the same time, I'm not sure if I want to go back to Cleveland in February. That's so if you, yeah, yeah, that's the tough sell. <laughs> yeah. So if you are going and you're one of our listeners, please tag us on Instagram in your in your photos or on Twitter and let us know that you went or shout us out if if you would uh, if you would be so kind and uh, we will interact back. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how um, our friend LeBron James is received in cleveland because although he is no longer a cavalier there is no storyline bigger than the king coming back to his adopted kingdom right and and we got um we got darius garland and yeah and Jarrett allen as of today and that's the other thing if you're an ohio basketball fan figure out a way to watch the nba uh 
the NBA games with the Cavs, get the league pass, watch Ohio's, it Ohio's actually running shit across the board right now. It's not just basketball, it's football too, as we saw with Burrow. You know, you yeah. can pull for the Rams and pick out quite a few players on that team from Ohio as well. Um, yeah, the Ohio presence is getting pretty nuts these days in sports and entertainment. Yeah, it's always it's always been there, but that the mentality of the culture is now we're more out front. People are recognizing us, and that's that's pretty rewarding. Yeah, it's not it's not what the culture's like. We're yes. and and a quick shout out to um, Ohio State basketball for avenging the loss in football to the team up north by brutalizing them last week as well, and for just crushing the TikTok game. Yeah, oh yeah, their TikTok is You're great. on it, man. <laughs> They are great. They are great. Speaking of TikTok, that is the important transition here. Uh, as I was reading some 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 data and reading an interesting article, you know, as most people who are thirty and over, probably twenty eight and over, look at TikTok and say, "What is this trash? It is ruining the world. It is ruining society. What what is happening? It's." China trying to exploit and ruin the U.S. <laughs> I've heard literally everything bad about TikTok and very few good things. Actually, I thank you, Partha, for encouraging me to actually join the platform. And once I joined the platform, I realized that it is a much more enjoyable experience um, than many other forms of TikTok because I'm directed to overall things I like to see and enjoy seeing and want to see <laughs> not <laughs> endless debates between two people i don't care about <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, and even absolutely. the comments that i see on there are more overwhelmingly more positive than what you see on instagram and twitter and facebook um it just seems to be a much more positive place now with that said um what it's known for is a lot of silly stuff right like the silly videos are great if that's what you want to tune into great but i think there's this underlying positive impact of the platform that we're missing and that was shown in an article i saw saying that there was a record year for books sold almost 900 million books were sold uh this year um you know part of this is probably pandemic related people spending more time at home but I think you and I both agree reading is is one of the best things that you can do for yourself, uh, taking the time to to look at things beyond the surface level. And there's a, a trend on TikTok called Book Talk in which people uh, leave their reviews and their thoughts on books that they've read. And it's actually a big had a big measurable impact on the increase in the number of books that are being consumed. So I just wanted to give a, a quick shout out. Uh, to to TikTok and the book talkers for um, helping generate more readers, which I think is a positive thing. Absolutely. And then the other thing that's nice about TikTok is things are more discoverable. So if you if you want to find anything, any sort of, uh, yeah, I use it a lot for finding workouts or stretches for specific parts of the body. Just type into the search bar hashtag and then whatever you're looking for. So you can just type. You don't even have to type the hashtag. You can type lower back exercises you can type knee stability and you will find you click any video and you can scroll just like normal but it scrolls through all the search results and you can literally see you know 20 different knee exercises from 20 different physical therapists all across the country and for rapid visual learning there is no better platform yep 
and this is across across many platforms workouts do it yourself fixes at home you know cooking there are just many again you know and we'll dig into this this more deeply about looking at things objectively and seeing both the positive and negative and deciding that how you how you actually interface with something is the value that you will extract from it correct so on that note let's hit uh, a pause on our news and notes here we're going to come back shortly with a deep dive on um really just remaining stoic in this very very wild world uh v has nicely segued us into this topic um so we will catch you right after this to get get into the deep dive and uh you know we'll see what comes up show the pilot boys some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com you're listening to the pilot boys podcast hey this is partha not only am i a pilot boy but i'm also the ceo of lasso I started Lasso to help people improve their movement on a daily basis. We design and create compression apparel that enables you to move confidently, recover safely, and ultimately be the best version of yourself. We use a patented compression technology that activates key ligaments and tendons to help you improve your proprioception, coordination, and balance on a daily basis. Lasso socks were recently ranked number one by Men's Health because of how much they improve how your body works and the overall comfort, softness, and feel of the product. We're very proud of the Lasso socks, so check them out on our website at lassogear.com or at lassogear. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. All right, V, we're back, man, into this deep dive topic. I know that uh, we had talked about the idea around TikTok right before we stopped for a break and the different ways you can use it. And we had just outlined some of the, the good things about it as opposed to the things that people don't like. Um, I think this is a really, really great point for us to open up this conversation and just, uh, you know, just kind of build the thought process around how we as a society are reacting to the tools that we have and maybe some healthier ways we can do that. Yeah, I think overall, I think what we, because of the culture and that we live in and what's encouraged, we're very in, encouraged to be polarized in, in our views, right? Um, there are certain thoughts that we're supposed to have, certain thoughts that we're not supposed to have. And if we don't fit in lines, directly in one group or the other um you often find yourself feeling left out or feeling alienated by society by just virtue of being objective right <laughs> which which is pretty crazy to think about and and trying to evaluate things and you know stoicism is a word that's thrown around quite a bit but overall the concept of stoicism that i i adhere to and like is the idea that you need to be in control of your emotions, that there are going to be many things that happen to you, good and bad, that if you react to overly emotionally um, are going to lead to problems, more problems than solutions in your life. Um, and, you know, it's obviously a big trending topic, hashtag books being written about it now. 
Uh, I see Marcus Aurelius quotes uh, on my time everywhere. Um, but I think there's something to be taken from this because part of what Stoicism preaches is how to actually be objective in the world that we currently live in right now in which there is so much pressure to not be objective and to be emotional in how we respond to things and how we handle things. As with most things and with human beings in general, if you reflect at any human being and you look in the mirror, you can point to good things about yourself and bad things about yourself. Um, and to evaluate yourself objectively is to accept both. And I think in society, when we evaluate people, whether we evaluate people, whether we evaluate a business, a topic, it is very helpful to look at things in that same light, which is, okay, I'm digesting on Twitter all the bad about a person and or all the good about a person. It could be helpful to maybe do a deeper dive and say, okay, before I make a decision one way or the other, let me figure out how to evaluate this person myself for both their good and their bad. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I have, I have a couple stoic quotes up here, but I think the, there's, um, you know, one that stands out. Uh, it's it's um, to be calm is the highest achievement of the self. And I think, you know, that's that's one of the big takeaways here is that we live in a society where literally we have engineered our technology to create emotional reactions in us. Yes. Dopamine releases and serotonin releases like all of that is scientifically created. Your notifications, the ping on your phone, the vibrate noise. There's way, way, way too much stimulation in our society. And it's to the point where we would rather, like so many people I know, need the TV on while they work, you know, or need all of this stimulation or all of this noise to drown out essentially the sound of their mind so they can do things. And ultimately, to become very, very strong mentally, you have to create that calmness within yourself so that your reaction is your choice, not anybody else's. Yes, yes. And the more that you are angry, the more damage you are doing to your mental state. And being angry or outraged um, is something that's a trigger um, based on emotions, right? Um, and that is exactly what you need to avoid to not fall into the matrix and get lost in the noise of the society that we live in. The people who are most successful in today's society are the people who are literally doing the blue collar thing of just putting their head down and working and ignoring the noise yeah. of, of what's going on around. And it's, it's frustrating because I feel like even the people that I admire in society and have admired, I feel like in today's society, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop, for society to find a reason or give me a reason that I need to dislike them um, and, and literally not ignore all the value that I extracted from them. And I'm a person that believes that there's value to be gained from every person. Even when I've spoken to, I've spoken to KKK members, you know, um, and there's value in knowing and understanding their perspective because their perspective comes from 
a place of outrage as well. It's irrational, but understanding how an irrational mind works is valuable to be rational in your approach to dealing with them. Yeah. Um, and I think it doesn't mean that you have to like them or, 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 or be supportive of them to understand their perspective. Right. Um, and that's, that's what I think is, is, is the most valuable thing that you can do is even with the people that you dislike or give you reasons to dislike them to take a moment and say, okay, what might be triggering them? Right. Because we're all human beings and I'm going to bring up an example here of somebody that every person in Ohio State, in the Ohio State community, is aware of, right? Urban Meyer, Meyer is a polarizing figure um, in the football community and in culture generally because uh, I think he 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 behaves in a way in which he doesn't necessarily feel like he needs to answer questions as to why he operates the way that he operates. Over the weekend, some pictures came out with him and President Trump, um, former President Trump. Um, and the immediate reaction was outrage, right? Um, because here's a guy who, you know, and I have many people who have personal relationships with him. Within the people that really know him, overall and have a personal relationship with him overall i've heard nothing but overall positive about him and who he is and what he tries to do to help people grow right but over the past couple of years his life his personal life seems to have been a train wreck from appearing at, at these events to the groping inc incident that we heard about to be fi being fired from jacksonville and the question that I pose is how do we evaluate someone who to people who've experienced and worked with him have he's had a positive impact on, but is making decisions right now um, that seem to counter kind of what he stands for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is one of those situations where, to your point, there's empathy, which we can all develop, which is like, how do I understand what somebody is going through? But then this, there's another thing that, you know, I think is equally powerful. It's acknowledging that another person's actions are not what causes pain. It's us causing that to ourselves. Yes. So here's an, another stoic quote from Marcus Aurelius. Uh, if you are pained by any external thing, it's not this thing that disturbs you but your own judgment about it. And it's yes. in your power to wipe out this judgment now. So if somebody does something you don't like, like this situation, if you're upset about urban meeting with Trump or hanging out there, right? Or if you're upset because this player said this thing about you know, their teammate, or if you're upset because of what somebody else posted on social media, or, or you're upset because other people are listening to, you know, Joe Rogan, right? Or whatever it might be. It's your judgment about that that actually causes you pain. And at the end of the day, if your mind is constructed in a way that it's causing you pain, that's a problem. Yeah. You know? And I think that's the reality of the situation is like we all have the ability to control whether we're happy or sad. And I know, you know, 
mental health, sure, it's a thing, right? But it's not a thing for 100% of people. You don't have a chemical imbalance. 100% of people don't. There's a small portion of people that do, right? But not every single person does. However, many people in our society do have mental health issues, meaning that they cause trauma, pain, suffering for themselves on a daily basis. That's an issue. But yeah. it doesn't mean it's permanent. It means it's very solvable just through the acknowledgement that your pain is caused by yourself. Whatever you're upset about, this person did it, this person did this, this thing happened. That All of these things can happen. But if something didn't physically injure you, then you caused your own pain. Yep. Yep. And that's that's the reality that I think we all have trouble fully understanding and facing and those that do figure seem to have a much easier go of it in this life than the people who don't right because you can't you literally like if you're upset at joe rogan or urban meyer or donald trump you can't control these people you do not dictate their actions or their behaviors you can be outraged at them that's fine but even expressing your outrage at them is aiding and supporting them more than it is hurting them. Even if you disagree with their positions, you dislike them, you're actually helping them by constantly spending your time taking your bandwidth because the only thing we don't control in this life is time. We don't know when our last breath is. We don't know when our last minute is, but we do know that it's finite for every single person who is born onto, into this earth. How do you want to spend that time? Do you want to spend that time angry at other people or do you want to focus your energy on what is the impact that I want to make in this world and how do I do so? Because if that is the game that you're playing, you don't even have the time to overly invest your bandwidth into these subjects. I talk about them and you talk about them in our personal conversations just from a conversation standpoint. They're not emotionally charged conversations. What Urban does doesn't make me shit. Jay-Z's famous line. You know, mm -hmm. what he eats doesn't make me shit. And although I might disagree, I'll express that I disagree and say that it's wrong, but I am not going to be emotionally thrown off by that yeah. or by anyone. If somebody, and, and, and this is a growth process, and I can tell you and speak from personal experience, I used to be someone who was easily triggered. You know, as I was maturing and growing, I grew up, I spent the former, some of my formative years in a very rural town in Ohio of 10,000 people. I dealt with racism every single day. Somebody saying some shit to me, somebody doing something to me. And I literally thought that I should fight every single fight. And I literally fought every single fight at halftime, at recess, at in class. And I realized that there was nothing that I was gaining by fighting every single fight. You know what I mean? Like that came over time that I realized that I can't win all of these battles. And not only that, I can't control what other people think of me. I can't control it. I can only control what I do. I can control who I put into my tribe and my circle and who I invest my energy in and who has the ability to impact my emotions and my energy. And that's been way more liberating than beating someone up for calling me a racist word 
Absolutely. And I think <laughs> that's, that's, it's so powerful um, to hear a story like that because we all do have our own struggles, right? But it's ultimately your reaction to the struggle that dictates your experience of it. You know, if the second you make yourself a victim in a situation, all of a sudden you're injured or you're hurt as a result yeah. of that situation. That's what, this is why I feel, you know, I, uh, I mean, this is not going to be a popular thing to say, but fuck it. So my general view on, you know, this entire, you know, it's, it's, it's presented as empathic, but really it's self-masturbatory. The idea that, you know, we all need to air out all the things we're struggling with or going through as individuals, right? It's like, oh, we, we want to be open. We want to be vulnerable. That's great. And I think that's important. It's important to show that people have flaws. But it's also important to understand that the things that you struggle with, yes, you're going to struggle with them. You're going to get over them. But they don't change who you are in a negative way. Like you choose the identity of having an injury or having a mental health condition. Like the amount of times I've heard someone come up to me and justify their lack of action as, oh, well, I have this disorder and I have this disorder and I also have this disorder and I also can't eat this and I also can't eat this and I can't do this and I can't do this. It's like, the more that you say that shit to other people, the more real it becomes to you. And all of a sudden, you've built all these walls around your life and you've taken away all of your power, all of your ability to be a human being. And you've created endless suffering for yourself because you've created walls for every single avenue of expression of your being. And to me, it's just, it's ass backward. Like we can't be sitting here in a society saying that it's a good thing that we need to have safe spaces to be able to have conversations. That is the most ridiculous paradigm to me because it just shows a general softness of, of you know, the human spirit that we've created, yeah. which is a very, very powerful thing that we all have. And we just work so hard to mute it. Yeah. And, and to add to your point, you know, another paradigm that I see is, is what you were just saying at the start of your your dialogue about how rant <laughs> your rant uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's the idea of why is it so easy for us to make excuses for ourselves and why we can't do things or why we did something wrong but we can't have a degree of empathy to make those same excuses or those same justifications when we're evaluating someone else right yeah the mistakes that they make that's always been something that's very confusing to me about the human brain and, and how it works in, in that sense. It's so easy for us to criticize the external world and, and hold them to like, hold them to like a, a, a essentially no tolerance policy. But when it comes to ourselves, we make every excuse in the book. You know, that's, that's such a human dilemma that I quite, I haven't quite figured out why um, other than what you said, which is, we're soft um, and, and we take it too easy on ourselves. Yeah. You know, here's, here's um, another Marcus Aurelius quote that kind of taps this, this thread, but it's waste no more time arguing what a good man should be. Be one. And I think that's what you get to at the end of all of your thinking is like you want to talk about what this person should have done or that person should have done or what's so wrong in the world. It's like, great, you can have all these thoughts. You're probably right or at least like partially right. But then what? You can't do anything other than be kind and loving 
to everybody around you. And the irony is that the people who speak the most about morals and ethics usually treat people the worst. Yeah, they do. They do. And the outrage, you know, and then the thing about the outrage aspect of it is that, like you said, the moment that you invest in outrage, the, the harder the work becomes for you. Yeah. Right. Because what this person or that person is doing, it's an endless struggle. You can't change people. You can't change them. You can help them grow. But if somebody wants to hold a position or takes a position, you being outraged at them isn't going to change that position. Cancel culture does not work. Um, and, you know, I might be controversial for saying it, it just doesn't work. Um, the reason that it doesn't work is that it mutes dialogue. It ends conversation. And I think that's the biggest issue that we're having is that when you disagree with somebody and you're stoic and you're emotionless in your approach, you can have a conversation about with them about something that you disagree with them about and actually have a productive conversation. But if you enter that same conversation upset or unhappy about what they said and still hold on to that feeling going into the conversation, that conversation is only going to make the problem worse. Yeah, absolutely. And well said, and I think, you know, the, the thing that I would just want to put on top of it is that the universal way to bond with people connect and, and improve the world is through love. It's through caring for others, giving, being kind, being uplifting and helping. And so there's, there's, you know, all sorts of, you know, made up value that we ascertain from being the smartest person in the room, being able to, you know, think through this stuff, be really logical or even being right. But what's the point in being right if nobody likes you? Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Bartha. I think that's a, that's a great takeaway too. Next, in, in the conversations and discussions that you have, or, or even if they're arguments, don't make the goal being right and <laughs> proving that you're right and see how much See how much more value you get out of your conversations and your discussions. It's it's not about agreeing, getting someone to agree with you or agreeing with someone else. It's about the conversation and the dialogue itself and gaining perspectives that aren't your own. Yeah. You know, with that being said, I think we're we're there to wrap up another exciting Pilot Boys podcast. You know, this flight, uh, it was a short one. We just did a did a quick little hop. Yeah. I mean, we were very stoic in our uh, in our presentation of the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine uh, we do like a seven hour podcast. We're like, this is the New York to London episode. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. That yeah, would be fun. Maybe one day. Maybe one day when when we're we're a little bit more popular, we can do something like that. Yeah. Or a little less popular. <laughs> one way or another. One way or other. <laughs> um, on that note, though, um, to our listeners, we hope that you gain some value from our podcast. As always, stay moving. Remember to be you. You is fly. Pilot Boys out. Once we get on up.